What up, what up? It's yours truly, the Rach. Uh, that's how you say the Rach in France. In Francois. Eh, no, it's not. I am fucking with you. Um, thank you guys. Welcome back. Uh, it's November 1st. We're super happy. We're super happy. We're super happy to have you here. Um, yeah, this was a doozy. I'm not going to hold you. Last time we were like, what, running late all October, right? Um, this time we're trying to be on time. We're even trying to do some squats. We're trying to get our squats in today. Uh, <laughs> wish me luck guys. 50. Um, so today is a cool episode. Um, I'm still definitely grieving a bit. Uh, uh, today was the service for Shemay Williams. So shout out to her family and friends again. Um, I'm grateful, um, once again for her to even have been in my life for the duration that it was. And, um, we miss you, Kate. I love you. Um, and then, then I'm also grateful for, yeah, we're just jumping into the gratefuls, right? (laughs) I'm grateful for, um, taking opportunities, you know, no matter how big or small, sometimes you just got to take those jumps, you know what I'm saying? And recently I hadn't been a production assistant in a little bit. You know, sometimes you think, move up in the career, don't ever go back. But um, this strike had other feelings for me, and I just really wanted to be on a set. So luckily, I found a gig through a friend. Shout out, uh, shout out the tribe. Um, And I had the pleasure of actually working with um, two fashion icons, like uh, one being Ruth E. Carter. Uh, If you don't know, get into her. Um, everything from Malcolm X to Baps to Wakanda Forever, this woman has costume designed. And then the other one was uh, Charlize Antoinette Jones. And she's done some cool stuff like The Nanny. Uh, I've talked about that movie on here before. And uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. So shout out those two wonderful women. Um... Uh, they were on a set. I can't tell you more about that. Google it. I don't know. Don't. Uh, yikes. Um, but it was dope and it gave me a great foreshadowing for something that I have been trying to manifest in my life for a really long time. So whenever I meet people initially, it's not even that initial meeting. Sometimes it's not even that initial three meetings. Those don't matter. Okay. I know where I need and want to have you in my life and God willing, it will work out. And so Ruth E. Carter, um, I will have my measurements to you right away. (laughs) Um, okay. Another thing was, um, I got to go to an artist industry party. Like she dropped her album and it was a full listening party. Her name's, oh shit their name's Cayenne. You know, you gotta like be right. I misgendered them. Their name is Cayenne. They are a super dope artist. Um, voice is super pure from South Africa. Um, and their music is like, mm, just like 
neo so neo r&b vibes okay um and at this function there is a guy named tyler who did some henna who is a black indian man okay fucking insane i mean i know they exist but he was a nigga indian i love it um and he did a great job on my henna um so i'm grateful for that So yeah, those are the fun things that I'm grateful for. You know, um, every day we're just trying, fighting depression and anxiety. Some days are slower than others, but we have to give each other grace or like myself. I have to give my inner child grace, whatever. Um, To the quote, here's the quote. We're going to keep it short and sweet. It's from our beloved Maya Angelou. Okay. It says, ask for what you want and be prepared to get it. Period. Okay. So, uh, that is really real because sometimes, uh, you get things that you want and you're like, why is this happening to me? And it's like, wait, you asked for this a while ago and you got to, to kind of like be very intentional with what you say and do and how you like, you know, perform in this, uh, what do we call this? This dimension, you know what I'm saying? Because every action has an equal or opposite reaction. That's Newton's third law, baby. Um, Okay, cool. That's about it. We have a super exciting guest for today. Um, I actually met her on this shoot. Um, She is a Chicago, a Chi-Town gal, and she's just super dynamic. I'm grateful to have met her. So let's, without further ado, let's jump into the My Story portion, all right? Fuck you, pay me. This is The Rach, and I'm out. All right. Hey, guys, it's the Rach. Welcome back to the My Story portion of Fuck You, Pay Me podcast. Yo, man, you know what I'm saying? I'm so fucking grateful. This is the first of November. We're going to start and get it cracking. You know what I'm saying? I paid some rent. Don't talk to me. Don't let's not talk about it. It's not for you. Um, But today I have a super special guest. I literally met them at my last project. You know, guys, I mentioned the people that I was working with, I was motherfucking grateful as fuck. I was like, ah, Rachel's is you. And then the world's like, yes, it's you, Rach. So, um, enough, enough about that. Let me let her show <laughs> <laughs> herself, girl. <laughs> What's up, y'all? My name is Gianna, aka Gianna Snapped, born and bred Chicago in here, living in LA now. So, yeah, that's me. What's up? I'm so honored to be here. That's so crazy how we connected. <laughs> Dude, I believe in serendipitous occasions. Let me tell you, yes. I'm in such a good mood that day. I had put on my purple. I love purple. You look said, so good. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, that's real. Cause she she take pictures, y'all. So that's real. <laughs> yes, um, take my so, word. <laughs> it's real. Oh uh, no, I was just like, you know what? And I I have to. I'm gonna be a little honest with you. I haven't done PA work in a little minute because mm. I kind of, you know, when you be in the industry for a while, there's certain things that you feel like you outgrow. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You're like, blah. But let me tell you, when yes. this industry had did the crashy thing and I have been working, everybody knows I've been working in bars. I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it work. I literally, mm-hmm. those two days, I did not sleep. I didn't sleep. And I don't care because See, I needed I couldn't to tell. I needed to be on set. That's why. Because I love set. I love it. I love things like this. I love production. So I had the best of times. I was just like, we were we were in the hills somewhere. We were somewhere bougie. Somewhere, somewhere very bougie. Ooh, somewhere bougie. There were horses, bitch. Mm. Yes, it was. Yes, okay. it was. 
and there was good good turf like the turf felt like grass but like not enough because you have a thing with grass right i do yeah but the bugs yeah no that's a that's a heavy no for me but yes (laughs) but it was okay and i was feeling very organic and grounded and i said let me have my lunch sit down in the grass then shorty doo-wop just came over i don't know what it was i think it was the chi town energy we just Maybe. felt that Midwestern synergy, you yeah. know. Can I join and you? Just started the conversation, and there are some young girls there who were also chatting it up, and we were all just cute and melanated, and learned a lot cute. about each other that day. But yes. what I did learn about you was that you had a business, and I said, "Sis, how did you do it?" Mm-hmm. So that's why we're here today. So Yay. you said you're from Chicago. I'm from yes. the North Shore. I will. I will literally tell people my truth. Like, bitch, I was raised in Skokie. We're not, I'm not going to gas you. No, that's okay. I say, I say <laughs> Chicago. I'm from the Heights. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still 20 minutes outside of Chicago, but don't nobody know where Chicago Heights is okay, or Homewood and I'm gonna tell or you Glenwood what. or anything like that. I'm going to tell you what, tell you where you weren't near the cornfields. Okay. No, okay. No, not Chicago. at all. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we weren't near the corn. However, I did the first part of my life. I was in Gary, Indiana, though. Oh my God, my dad ended up living in Maryville before he passed. That's so beautiful. That's so Gary funny. Is wild. Gary is wild. Zero out of ten. Do not. <laughs> <laughs> the only good thing that came out of Gary, y'all, was Michael Jackson and me and my family. Okay, period. But okay. <laughs> Zero out of ten, do not recommend. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> um, no. But so so yeah. So you're from the Heights. Tell me about like what what was it like growing up? Did you have siblings? Like were you? Yeah. I mean, I did a little single. My mom was doing some single momage, but she was also married for a little bit. So you know, I have a mixed little background. Yeah. What's your story, sis? So I am the second oldest of five, the first girl. So it was a whole little tribe and we're all doing our damn things in our industries. We all do different things, which is so cool. And yeah, I was in a double parent household, but most of my childhood, see, I tend to disassociate a lot and my disassociation causes me to truly forget like major moments in, in my life unless they're reminded to me. Um, so I don't remember a lot of my childhood, to be honest. The only thing I remember is the feelings I had growing up, if that makes sense. So I remember a feeling of, you know, my dad wasn't, you know, he's working all the time. You know what I'm saying? I was fighting with my siblings all the time. I hated them up until I became an adult, to be honest. Wow. And I talk about that pretty openly, though. Like, I was like, talk about it, actually. I just yeah. You just got, you just got what? Say that again. I said, I just got cool. I said, I'm like, okay, I'll text. I like, I used to do things out of obligation um, because Mm. my parents were very much like, you should like these people. Mm. And I was like, these people don't like me. So. Mm. (laughs) No, I I just, I didn't, I ain't fuck with them. And they know this. And, but, but me not fucking with my siblings really has, as adults cause like confusion as to like why I didn't fuck with them or why I thought I was like ostracized from the family and stuff like 
it was like a whole thing and I think it, we just got over the hump of okay y'all forgive me I went to college when I was 17 so y'all don't know me from 17 to 32 you know what I mean talk about it talk about so it. I was looked at as oh you're still like in a 17 year old mindset you know and like all this stuff so I had a lot of proving to do over the years that no I loved y'all I just felt really emotionally neglected by uh you know just parents and you know teachers I didn't have like great examples of family and love growing up and stuff so yeah I hated them I was very jealous of my siblings growing up I thought that my parents loved them more than me you know all the things oh my gosh were you your your family's black sheep I was and you know something my entire life I thought that I was just crazy for thinking that and then a huge family secret came out and then everything I felt was validated <laughs> and actually admitted to. So, and I would get into that whole thing. I really would, but girl, we ain't got time. Oh I'm, my God, this sounds like a second C. It sounds like I'm you coming back. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's it's it's, cool. it's a it's a whole thing. But um, no, no my, but I can't live without my my. I I can't fathom me hating my siblings. Still, they are literally the most important people in my life and my and my parents and my nieces like I just I'm like how did I ever hate you? I I am obsessed with my Ooh. siblings and so I just you know it took a lot of hard work and understanding and forgiveness and when you move out the house you know what I'm saying and you don't live with people for a while people can still think that you have a mindset of how you were when you were younger but it just takes patience and we've worked through it and yeah I wouldn't God, I would I would go crazy without my family now. Oh, I love that. That is such a word. Um, yeah. I uh, definitely uh, resonate with leaving when you're 17 and being a different person. Yeah. Um, I think I, I recently reunited with my mom like last November. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it, I really hadn't seen her in a while. And it wasn't... Well, some of it was bad, but um, mainly... I had to leave room for um, them to change too. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that's really, that that's really real. shaped how mm -hmm. I artist. Do you think that mm -hmm. how you created or like even when you decided to make that decision to leave once you were 17 and essentially not come back, you know, what, what type of energy was behind that? And did it push you into your art? Oh, shit. That's a good question. Um, um, I think because I lived my life trying to prove myself to my parents and my siblings so heavily that actually transitioning, because I was in business school. So transitioning into the art space, I was a little bit nervous that I would still be seen as less than because I was no longer like in the business, you know, uh, full aspect. Yeah. I grew up wanting to be a lawyer because um, I love oh, I a good totally debate child. That. I oh, could totally see I love that. a good debate. I was in debate, you know, all of high school and stuff. I did competitions and I was like, this is what I want to do because I know how to prove a point really well, you know, and um, it was something I was good at. And then midway through school, I got a camera and I was like, oh shit, but... When I brought it up to my family that this is what I wanted to do, I wanted to pack up and move across country, they were very, very supportive, like very supportive. However, I was broke as 
fuck those first few years. I was the definition, the epitome of a broke artist. And and it's because I made that transition so swiftly. I didn't I didn't try to stay and, and save money. It was just like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go. And I did it. I struggled. And I was, I wasn't. I'm trying to I'm trying to still like protect you know my family and, and stuff but yeah I, I wasn't I never wasn't mean so, anything bad by a family yeah no 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 this is just my this is just my story my yeah, truth. Truth. um they were very very supportive but when it came to the money aspect it wasn't the same um they did what they could to help me and to support me but I could tell it was a lot of like annoyance behind it and so for me in order for me to make money and push myself I'm like let me prove this I think it wasn't up until the beginning of this year actually I've been I've been in photography for 12 years it wasn't up until the beginning of this year when I was like you know what I really got to do this for myself all this time I've been trying to do my art for them and you know whenever I have like the littlest accomplishments I'm like hey y'all this is what happened this is what I got and still trying to like show them like look I'm not I'm not a struggling artist anymore I'm not a struggling artist so it pushed me to stay in it to prove that I can make this successful. And I don't know what shifted over the last couple of years, but it just became exhausting putting that as my number one. And I started to really hate photography. Ooh, okay. So so just to backtrack a little bit. So you said you were in a school of business. Mm-hmm. Where, where'd you go to school initially? I went to University of Illinois at Chicago. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. UIC, downtown Chicago. Yeah. I used to sneak into that campus because they had... <laughs> Girl, because they had what? <laughs> because they had poetry nights, and that's how you know. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Yep, I'm an OG corny Negro. Oh my gosh, no, I love that. Um, I love and that. so I used to do spoken word competitions, you know, maybe louder than a bomb. And like wow. Energy. Yeah, so I used to do that. Um, <laughs> that's pretty. Dope. So I love that campus. It's a great campus. It set me up um, really, really well. I didn't finish. I left. No, no. So yeah, boo. Okay. Yeah, I, I left. Shout out Kanye. Now what? So you said I made an abrupt like you just like shifted. You were like, yeah, boo. I'll never forget it. I was in the middle of a, uh, of a blizzard and I was like, fuck this shit. I remember I was walking <laughs> to class and UIC, you know, is a big at. In order for me to get to class, you either gotta hop on one of the little short buses and go to class, or you gotta walk like three city blocks, which is yes, horrible in the winter. Okay, and I remember walking and I was just like, hell no. And so I was dating somebody that was that lived in California and I was like, you know what? Through his support, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just leave. And so I actually ended up enrolling in one of the most prestigious art schools, Brooks Institute out here, and graduated wow. from there, got my bachelor's of fine arts and um yeah, graduated early from there and spent uh, some time living in Paris, uh, working. Wow. Yeah. And so it was a really, really good transition for me. But now, even then, I was still this like, boyfriend. What? At what stage did you say? You know what? It was right. right it was right before I went to Paris. It was right before I, I, I went to Paris, 2016, I believe. That yeah. is so cinematic. Okay. It, it is. Listen, my life is crazy, girl. It is. It really is. But I mean, everything happened for a reason. It set me up really, really well. I got great relationships with a lot of the modeling agencies in Paris to this day. So it's good. It was great. It was a good transition. 
Oh my gosh. And I feel like niggas in Paris was popping like around It was like- around that time. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I posted on my story with that song in the background. Girl, please. Oh I was my gosh. in Paris. Absolutely. How long were you in Paris? I was there four months, four or five months. Mm, mm. It was and it then- was a good amount of time for me to get homesick. For sure. Did you speak French at all, or like what was happening? Girl, the only thing I learned how to say in French was, "Do you speak English?" And if they said no, I kept it pushing. Okay, I was not. I listen. French is hard. I respect anybody who has taken the time to learn the language, but I was like, "Parla vous anglais?" And they were like, "No." Okay, thank you. Merci. Keep it pushing. Find somebody oh else, goodness. girl. Mm-hmm. I love that. I respect it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everybody else in the world knows English, and we know so much. Like, so little. Exactly. Like, exactly. if you think we're dumb Americans, let's rock with that. Exactly. <laughs> love it. Love right, it. right. Um, okay, so that sounds like such an eat, love, pray moment. Absolutely. We went to, okay, so you came to LA now from Chicago. Weirdly, there's a little pipeline of us from from Chicago to it is. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you feel with that? Did, were you just like a meshed in your relationship or how was your transition here? Because I feel like um, everybody would say, you gotta find your tribe. You gotta find your tribe. You know what? You wanna know something that's really, oh, this is about to, this is about to, this is about to be deep, okay? And this okay. might cause some stir somewhere. <laughs> It wasn't, oh, this sentence. Oh God, am I really about to say this? Okay, it's my truth, okay? And this is not the current truth at the moment. I had to work through this. Right, right. It wasn't until I moved to California where I truly started to appreciate black people. And I'm gonna explain, okay? I did not, I I didn't wanna date black men. I didn't want to be in a crowd wait, of black people. Not black? He sorry. was he was Mexican. Heard but but listen, 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 but listen. Anybody from Chicago knows. Hold on. This is hilarious. And especially with this age right now. That low key. I love being in LA because I love the Chicano culture here. I've learned so much about Mexican culture, but that was not the case growing up. Mexican people did not have a positive um, view of black people. And vice versa. Yes. It was not cool. Okay. So, so but let me just make this, this very off? clear. How did you pull this let off? me just make this very clear. I, listen, Ernesto, if you ever hear this, okay. I love her. Ernesto Hernandez, he was a six foot big dicked Mexican. Okay. Uh I don't, all the stereotypes went out the window. Okay. And a fine ass Mexican. And you know something? He, he was to this day, one of, I would say top three people I've ever dated. We were together six and a half years and he was great. And I still have nothing but great things to say about him. We just, the distance really fucked us up. So um, but no, he was he was great. But a huge part of the reason why I started dating him was to just try to get away. I had grown up with such terrible views of yeah. black people. I grew up yeah. in Gary, Indiana, where 
and I'm sure Ooh. everybody wasn't like this, but just this is my experience, right? I didn't grow up with positive black teachers, okay? I didn't grow up with positive black friends. Everybody was smoking or or um, involved in the streets. And our, my mom made sure that she raised us to, yeah, y'all in Gary, but y'all not of Gary. And so we didn't hang out with the hoodlums and the hood yeah. rats and like drug we just wasn't a part of that at all and i knew i was always very well in tune that anything that i watched on television was fake i never fed into anything that was shown on television so cosby show uh family mat all of that was so fake to me because my parents relationship was struggling so much so i didn't know what was an emotionally available black parent growing up. I didn't know what a faithful what? husband looked like. You know what I'm saying? I love you, Jean Dorsey. If you ever hear this, I love you, dad. But, you know, my dad was a cheater, you know, my whole life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he struggled with alcohol and um, he was there as much as he could. He provided very, very well for what he could for five kids. You know what I'm saying? Five yeah. kids before... Yeah. Yeah. The, the age of he had five kids before the age of what 26 like you know what I'm saying and he took one of us in as his own you know what I mean so shout out to him I respect him so much our relationship is great now but it was it was a struggle growing up I just didn't have these things and then the black guys I was date I, I would date you know I've had hands put on me before I got cheated on by every single person you know what I'm saying so it just yep. was never positive for me so I was like y'all suck let me try outside the the black realm and just see what it is so i didn't have a a tribe transition into california let me tell you something california gave me my tribe of not only black people in general but platonic black male friendships Growing up, I did not have platonic male friendships, okay? <laughs> there was not any space for me to have a platonic male friendship. Everybody had ulterior motives, you know? I come out here, I mean, business owners, people that are just focused, trying to do exactly what I'm trying to do. And I really love the tribe that I've built out here. Shout out to Malachi. Shout out to Neither. Shout out to all these beautiful Black men who show me what a Black man can be. A representation you know what I'm saying and now yeah. my 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 two other brothers are are uh, parents themselves and they have completely blown me away with the examples they're setting for my nieces they're incredible you know yeah. what I mean and I'm like these are the black men I wanted to grow up with you know and it's just so beautiful watching them parent and changing the stereotype of what I grew up around and so yeah I love my black tribe um I definitely tried to run from it uh, initially when I came out here. But, man, California, people got a lot of shit to say about Los Angeles, and you know, uh, specifically. But it really changed my life moving out here. I'm, I, it changed my life so much. So I'm literally about to get a palm tree tattooed on me. OK, uh, I, I, I love it. I love it. And it pushed me to hustle and to have a competitive mindset and to not give up from those first few years that I moved out here. So that is so dope um and i feel like palm tree tattoos along with hummingbirds and, love hummingbirds um butterflies and there's one more but those are very like la mm -hmm. favorable tats yeah you know? yeah for like sure. i've been here and i'm in cali and it's my thing yeah i'm um, here <laughs> shoot so um, you've been here since you went out to school. You just locked in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Did you end up? I, I guess, moved here August. 
August 2020, uh, 2013. August 8th, 2013 is when I moved out here. Did you end up finding areas that you favored more than others since you've been here for so long? For sure. I, you know, I know there are certain places where my spirit feels real good and there are certain yeah. places in the play where I'm like... Eh, eh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was so attracted to downtown LA. Most people hate downtown LA. I was so attracted to it. And I initially actually lived in Ventura. I lived in Ventura for the first three and a half years I was here before I moved to LA. Ventura is amazing, amazing. I love little small, little beach towns like that because that ain't where I came from, you know? So I I embraced being able to walk out my door and onto the beach. I literally lived in a beach house. Like my front step had sand on it. So yeah, for the whole three and a half years I was there. And then, you know, clients picked up and the commute back and forth to downtown LA was a lot but no I love downtown LA it's certain parts of LA that I do try to avoid obviously um (laughs) but uh Culver City I love I love how diverse it is but I'm gonna tell you something if all of my clients were in San Diego I would move to San Diego like yesterday I love San Diego is my favorite city I love it like that what you really try to be close to the the water situation I love it uh that's more more towards the water yeah yeah it is mm-hmm. yeah okay but no i love that i love the water i used to i really thought you know what la has you fucked up because sometimes you'd be thinking <laughs> that it's it, you'd be thinking like when i first moved out here i thought that i was gonna like see the beach every day oh, no absolutely and then not. like i literally live in east la so it's literally like at least an hour every time and what is that a quarter of my tank yeah Jeez. los angeles is 45 minutes from los angeles okay so in every direction <laughs> Goodness, what an illusion. (laughs) I know, it's a lie, Uh, it's all a lie, guys. (laughs) Okay, so living in these different locations, for me also, I love like, I I do love the way like areas like Watts feel. And I love the way that like Baldwin Mm. feels and Lamar, I love love those spaces. I love Lamar Park, I love Baldwin Hills. I love all of that over there, all of it. I just don't, I don't hang around for like a long time. You know what I mean? But I love it. I love it. Um, do you feel like you, I mean, how, or how do you feel like your travel around the city has affected your art and, and your expression? So like you went to this prestigious school, mm-hmm. how did you even decide photography? And then, okay, cool. Now we've chosen this <laughs> thing, mm-hmm. you know, now we're into portraiture. Like how did you mm-hmm. shape that world? Um, I started off really wanting to, be in fashion photography more than anything, which is why I ended up in Paris. I loved the fashion culture until I experienced the fashion culture. Um, And Elaborate a little more on that. um, I think being front and center of a Paris Fashion Week, and this is not to knock any Paris Fashion Week or any fashion, anything, any entity of fashion. Um, I think as a photographer, though, the importance and the chaos and everything surrounding a piece of clothing became very fake to me once mm. I got thrown in it, right? Um, I played a role of paparazzi when I was out there. I did portrait work when I was out there. I just, the amount of money that goes into things that don't help out anybody, you know, it's millions of dollars that goes into these shows that don't benefit not one person. And they're over in 15 minutes. But the 
the chaos surrounding fashion is like, it was mind blowing to just be thrown in it. Now, granted, I would love to do more campaigns. I've done campaigns for True Religion. I've done campaigns for a lot of different brands, right? But I think being forefront, I see just, just how unimportant certain things are. Portrait work allows me to dive into the person that I'm sitting with, right? When I'm doing fashion shows, I'm not communicating with anybody. I'm just getting the the pictures as they go, right? I'm trying to get the clothing. I'm trying to get the movement of certain things. I needed to transition into something that was more personal because the character, my my character is personable. I'm a very personable person. And I need to have connection. I crave connection. And if I can, my motto for my business is let me see you how others, let me show you how others see you. And that Mm. whole mantra goes into we're, you know, our own worst critics. It's not necessarily about the clothes you're wearing, but let me show you how I'm looking at you. We hate ourselves in pictures, most people do, right? It's like, let me show you why somebody think you're so beautiful. That's always my goal when I have a portrait session. And that fulfills me deeper than any paparazzi I play, any type of fashion show or event, because I get a chance to slow down. I have a thing where, um, and anybody will vouch, vouch to this, you book me the first 10, 15 minutes, we're just chatting. I don't want you to walk through my studio door and we start shooting right away. That's uncomfortable. Take a breather. Let's connect. How's your day? What are these photos for? How did you get into this? Let me know a little bit about you so I can see that comfort behind the lens. And let me show you how others see you. Let me show you how beautiful I think you are. Or let me show your soul in this photograph. That is why that transition from fashion to portrait work needed to happen. And that that has been the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my life. And I wake up and I get to do that every day. It just connects with people. Oh, what? That was so deep. Girl, I'm serious. <laughs> oh my gosh. You went from like literal fabric to the fabric of life. You were like, you know, I'm done with this model thing. Yeah. I want to feel what's inside. Of yeah. That's people. important. Yeah. Wow. These models are treated like objects in this industry. Do you understand it's that? Pretty. It is your body looks good. I'm going to throw this piece of cloth on you. And that's what you need to sell, which is great. And whoever's listening to this, I love to be hired for that. Every, every blue moon. I love fashion. Fashion bleeds through this world. You know what I mean? I love showing it. I I just went to uh, Fear of God headquarters and did a whole portrait session with Jerry Lorenzo. Like oh. that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I love that. I love the fashion. I love the stories behind it. But let me hear the stories behind things. You know, I want to know why you started it. I want to know the the meaning behind this piece of fabric that you have. You know, I like those things. So I'm still intertwined with the fashion world, just in a different sense, more personable sense. I love that. Okay, so. You made this decision. You're like, hey, portraiture. Mm-hmm. When was the first thing? I know you talked a lot about you at some point feeling like you needed to still prove to your family. Mm-hmm. But when was the first thing that you did for yourself? Like you did a did a shoot with this person. And you're like, outside of Paris, maybe. Where you're like, oh, oh, oh I'm doing it. I'm like proud of myself. Like I just mm-hmm. shot blah, blah, blah. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't a person. Um, it was several people. I did a, 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 a project called Black His Story. And Black His Story was the beginning of my healing because I was able to forgive Black men in, in general as a whole. Um, what I did was I went around, it started first with a small project I did, Black Her Story, but this was right when I moved to Ventura and it was just like friends and people I knew. For this project, I wanted to get out and interview Black men that I didn't know. And so I just started with Mario, the singer. He kicked off my entire project and I sat down with him and photographed him and asked him, what is it like being a Black man? And that was the question that started every single sit down conversation. I try not to call it an interview um, because I just talked. Some went on for. Where is this girl? It's I on. Love <laughs> it. it's great. Um, it. I believe it's still on my. I don't. I think. I don't know if I archived it or not. I don't think I archived it. But if you scroll down, you'll start seeing like rows of the same person. Um, like through like uh. One person three times, one person three times. And it ended yeah. up being 32 different black men that I had that I did not know. And um, yeah, I just asked them all. Um, that's actually how I met my uh, two business partners through this project. And I just sat down and with every story, it was just a different level of healing. I flew out to Chicago to photograph my brother, who was at the time a Chicago police officer. Um, I sat down with my dad. Um, and that was when the first time I like saw this man as like a nigga. I was like, damn, you not just my dad. You like, you know, you went through <laughs> some shit. Like you, yeah. I can't understand where you're coming from. And when that happened, so many chains were broken off for me, girl. Oh my God. And the project just went on and on and on. And people was referring other people and every single person was a stranger. And I just sat down and I just got healing through every single interview portrait session that I did. And that is when the transition happened. When it finally broke off was only, like I said, about a year, year and a half ago, where I was like, all right, it's time for me to just be on my shit. I think I just got so stressed out trying to like do stuff for other people. It's not just doing it for my family. It's like, you know, I would say yes to so that's when it was. I got to a point where saying no was finally okay with me. And I would say yes to everything to just make people happy. Mm. And I finally got to a point where no became so powerful. No was a full sentence. And so I'm like, no, I don't need to explain why. I'm at a point now where I could say no. And it felt so good. And I just felt like my life just got 10 times better just saying no. In my personal life, not only to business things, but just in general, like, no, no, nah, I'm good. You know, like... (laughs) It, it felt so much good and there's so much power in that and I feel like I finally took my power back and started to do shoots and live my life for myself so I'm in a very peaceful place now that is cold-blooded um now you got to this point of like true true artistic freedom and I guess you, you would say probably like business freedom a year and a half ago mm-hmm. tell it tell me you know tell us more about that transition from I guess like working for everybody else to working mm-hmm. for yourself like what was that process like hard as fuck you go from getting a consistent paycheck because I was with corporate only up until maybe four years ago <laughs> hard when you decide to live for yourself it puts you no longer in that box that you've been so comfortable in now I've grown two feet and my arms are longer and my nose are louder and my yeses are smaller and now I don't have that much space left in this box That transition was so 
difficult. And even every year when I change my prices, I still go through the same shit mentally. I'm like, fuck, I'm going to lose all my clients and this isn't going to go how I need it to go. And it's a whole different transitional period. But it it was hard. It It was hard. I think I think with anybody, when you go from one extreme to the next, and you go to really betting on yourself. Betting on yourself is the hardest thing everybody does. It's just trusting that your story is already written, that them checks is already written, that you just got to go find them, that money never runs out, that money already belongs to you and stop worshiping money. I think that also was like a, a good transition period for me. I didn't grow up financially literate at all whatsoever. Like in the hood, we didn't know nothing about money. It was when the money comes, you you take care of yourself you you get the food that you need to food you know we don't we didn't save we didn't know nothing about taxes we didn't know nothing about none of that I literally am still learning things now that I'm an official business viewed by the government now now it's a whole nother world you know what I'm saying so the transitional phases never end and I think when you finally stop worshiping money things get a little bit easier. And I, I'm still trying to, I'm currently in that transition period where it's like money is not the the root of everything. It's not. And money is going to come and it just keeps recurring because there's billions of it. And you just got to know where to allocate and where to pull from and what resources to use and to ask for help. That's another thing. Asking for help. Uh, asking for help is like the latest yeah (laughs) (laughs) right that's been the latest i call it uh ibs i have independent black girl syndrome oh Um, i love that (laughs) that is genius i love i will say uh, also a testament to mexican culture out here um they have really taught me especially working with the people that i work with how to just like like share the load and like mm-hmm. i i got it like it's cool mm-hmm. that's my mm-hmm. task okay but i got it mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i love that oh, oh okay you right know? right like, exactly not used to doing that i'm used to picking up a lot of extra slack and i fucking hate it um yeah we're not doing i have no this more. perpetual fear because of the history <clears throat> that i come from and i respect all the women in my family <laughs> Um, but just because of the way that the world's treat a, treated us over the years, especially darker hued yeah. women, just yeah. being the help, you know what I'm saying? And so in every environment that I'm at, I had, there's like a great uh, level of conversation and humility, but mm. not also humility, just like a level of like pride and mm. service that has to go on in my brain where mm. it's like, it doesn't matter what this task is. It does matter that it's accomplished. Mm. Um, but also you're, it's not going to not get accomplished if you don't do it. Like it's exactly, (laughs) it's okay. Like you can take the day off. It's fine. You don't have to break, break your neck or your nail for whoever. Exactly. So, uh, I think even, yeah, like what you're saying that moment where you have to like, just essentially um work more for yourself and and the vision that you have for yourself mm-hmm. it's it's real and it's frightening for sure for it's sure terrifying absolutely yeah mm-hmm. but what now do you think um has been the most gratifying aspect in this like last year and a half um where you're like yeah man i'm, I'm fucking doing it and uh yeah it's hard but uh, <clears throat> 
yay. You know, yay me. I, I get my little scandal glass of wine and popcorn today. Mm, um, This year has been the first year in my entire life. Even though I've heard about it my whole life, I've seen people talk about it, do it, put it in work. Is the first year that I started to believe in manifestation <laughs> um, because I decided to actually put pen to paper for the first time. I never believed in it before. I tried it. Nothing happened. I was like, fuck this. This is not for me. <laughs> I was like, I wrote everything down and nothing happened. I, I got no it. boxes checked. Fuck this. Never again. And the last time I did it was like over 10 years ago. I shit you not. And I tried it again December 31st. And I was like, let me just do this cliche ass shit. And one of the major things that I wrote down, I believe it was the second thing I wrote down, is that I would have a billboard by the end of the year. And I have a billboard that is currently up on Slauson and Overhill Drive. Go ahead. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, maybe maybe I'm doing this thing. I got an album cover that I said that I would have by the end of the year. Ooh. Got an album cover. I got uh, healing from a very traumatic thing that happened. And I wrote that down beginning of this year that, you know, healing would come from it. Um it's it's been it's been a whirlwind this year and I, I i i'm just seeing the manifestation happen so i think this is the first year where i'm like damn it my it, i'm i'm doing it you know and my family would say that they they think i've been doing it for all these years and my friends would say they think i've been doing it for all these years but i think when i see dreams written that are literally happening in front of my face it's been just it's been it's been crazy. I think the inner peace has been the biggest thing though, because I haven't felt this least amount of anxiety before. Because I deal with anxiety, and this has been the year where it hasn't really taken control of my life anymore. So, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty okay now. <laughs> I love that for you, and yeah. I and I manifest more of that energy for you. I want more I and more that. and more and more and more of that. Okay. Yes, uh, I receive it. So, like, boom, you have a business, you do portraiture. Mm-hmm. Like, where the fuck can the people find you at, man? Like, you've dropped so many gems this epi. <laughs> I mean, this story, I mean, I feel like there's so many layers, too. Like, there's more things. I, I want to hear some bad things, like, you know, NDA things, but I don't want to stress you out. Like oh, you got to so. join my close friends. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah, yeah, to, like... My close gotta, friends is where everything gets... We got to make sure it. that this gets picked up by like revolt first and then I'll yeah come <laughs> absolutely and there's uh-huh. like a story that i would love to tell one day um and go into detail about i'll give you the bomb drop right now but okay. you cannot ask me questions about it because we'll be I'm here not. for another hour okay 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 I'm not. okay you ready? <laughs> okay. okay, I'm like literally like I'm like butthole is punched. I'm like <sighs> so I don't know. Um, I'm gonna just say this really quick. I don't know if you've heard. Um, Kerry Washington wrote a book. Yup. Okay, and her book reveals that. Uh, and I, I photographed her a few weeks ago, right? And during this um, session is when I first heard the reveal of the book, which was. She found out as an adult only, I think, like five or six years ago that her biological father isn't her biological father. 
Yeah. And I heard, I said, no way, mama. We have the exact same story. Okay. So that is something where my life took a huge trajectory. And it is a story that I would love to tell publicly one day. My God, y'all, she is related to Kerry Washington. I am so excited (laughs) that we have Kerry Washington. This shit is crazy. No, no, I wish. I would love (laughs) to be able to say that. But no, I found out, um, yeah, as an adult that my my father is not my biological father. And yeah, it's been interesting. (laughs) Oh my good. Okay, yeah, listeners, we cannot. (laughs) How would you even, you're like, uh uh-huh. Listen, we're manifesting. I'm manifesting. I'll be able to tell the story in a lovingly way. And um yeah, be able to get that finally out there. But yeah. I agree. I think that you you sound. I know healing is a process, but you sound so healed. You sound very like I've I've gotten not. over it because the best thing that happened with that situation is I found out I had a brother who I'm very 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 close with today, and I found out that I had a cousin who is the same age as me and we're both Leos and we're really close. And those are the two best things that happened. So I'm blessed. Oh, I love that. And that that's why the relationship with my dad really truly got, got healed because I looked at him as like, Whoa, I respect you. Like, that's crazy. Like, wow. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're that guy. You're that yeah. guy. My dad is that guy. Man, shout out to Jean. I love you. Oh yeah. Shout out Jean. Shout out mama. Absolutely. Um, yo, but yeah, they up. can find me. Yeah, where? On, where? Tell us. And I mean, spell it out because I tell everybody I'm a little dyslexic. You know, a no, lot of pronunciations and spellings of things. Just spell <laughs> it out. Okay. Gianna snapped. G-I-A-N-N-A snapped. S-N-A-P-P-E-D on Instagram. That's where everything is like happening in real time. My website is giannadorsey.com. It's not updated. It won't be updated till a month from now, but um, we're working on it. But it's G-I-A-N-N-A-D-O-R-S-E-Y. Again, it is not updated today, but it will be. Gianna All right. I love that. Thank you so much for, you know, just taking the time out today. Yo, can I just like say, you are such an incredible interviewer <laughs> and person to chit chat with. And Thanks. I am so proud of you for your transitions that you're making, even as a grown adult. And I can just tell that your story doesn't define you. I don't even know what your story is. (laughs) But the way that you radiate is so addicting. And I'm just so proud of everything. I know we don't know each other for real. I'm serious. You know, when you leave (laughs) the circle of certain people and you're just like, damn, that person got some shine on her. You made me feel so good that day. And I'm so thankful that we're able to do this. And you're, you got to come to my studio now so we can have lunch and talk. Oh my gosh, this is great. No, literally, uh, this was, this was a lifted experience. I'm so grateful. Guys, um, thank you so much for tuning in to another portion of You Pay Me, Gianna Smith. Yay! Thank you for having me. Hey, 
Wasn't that dope? Wasn't that just such a blessed moment? You know, I had to sign off because she was giving me too many fucking compliments. And I haven't gotten that far in therapy. So whatever, guys. We're at that good portion that we like so much called Neighborhood Watch, where I watch a bunch of things and burn all my brain cells. Um, I haven't been reading lately, so that's why I say that. Um, And you just, like, take your feels from it. Okay, so let's jump into it. Number one, this was super good. This had Shorty from, like, Gotta Kick It Up slash Shorty from Pretty Little Liars. I'm not even sure if that's the same Shorty, but they definitely look alike. Okay, boom. Um, The movie was on Amazon Prime, and it was called The Possession of Hannah Grace. It's about this ex-cop who decides to work at a morgue and then Hannah Grace shows up and things get a lot of weird. Um, I suggested the the scare factor was good. There's a lot of good moments for you to talk to the movie and be like, Shorty, what, you, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? Um, and that really makes a horror film spot on for me. Um, number two is on Hulu. The strong majority of these are on Hulu. Um, because Hulu did Huluween so well. Okay, next up is uh, Nocebu. And I might be, maybe it's Nakabu. I don't, I don't know, but I thought it was Nocebu. And it's basically a Filipino-British story. So basically, there's this white lady, and she has a husband and a daughter. And she used to be a designer, but something happened, we don't know. Then all of a sudden, this Filipino nanny comes in to save her life. If you guys have seen the movie The Nanny, um, it has some of that energy, but definitely more of a thriller. And all I'm just trying to say is reparations are real, Okay. So that's number two. Number three is A Haunting in Venice. This one was real cute. This was like a whodunit, clue-type vibe. It had Tina Fey in there. Um, Basically, it was like, oh, there's a detective. There's a seance. Ba-da-da-bop. Let's be in this house with a group of people. You know how I feel about a group of friends. So it was a group of people, a group of friends. And they had to try and figure out why this young girl had died. Turns out, turns out, I'm not going to tell you who did it. But it was somebody very close to her. Somebody very close to her. Um, and <laughs> I suggest you watch it. <laughs> okay, so number four is Haunting, The Haunting of Queen, uh, no, Haunting of the Queen Mary. That was a tricky one. Also on Hulu. Also a little bit of um, a Who's Done It. Makes, it's like a bunch of flashbacks in that movie. And then um, also some soul taking, some spirit switching. Um, (laughs) Basically, you know, you got to watch your kids, make sure they don't wander off into old dusty boats because somebody might snatch their soul and you might come out with not your son. That's it. Um, A good movie. I think you guys should check it out. Okay, number five. This is an oldie, but but a goodie. Um, The Roommate. Okay, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but The Roommate was (laughs) was a primetime 2000 early aunt movie. Um, You could tell by the fedoras that all the girls wore and thought were cute. Um, (laughs) We all wanted to be Michael Jackson. Um, Yeah, it's basically about how this girl goes to college. She get a roommate. And Shorty starts trying to steal her life. And she has to, like, save her life so that that bitch does not take it. So it's very single single white female-esque. So, yeah, boom, that one. 
Number seven. Oh, is that what that is? I'm sorry, y'all. Oh no, it's number six. <laughs> um, it, chapter two. Okay, so I watched the original It so I could understand It, chapter two. I don't really understand any of it, if I'm really being honest. I'm not sure if It is about queer baiting or queer hating. Stephen King, he's he's on my list for things I don't always get. They're just irrational reactions to things in his films, and that's probably why they were best as books. Um, and this modern retelling of It... It was fun. It was fun. I think um, Pennywise was definitely creepier, and that's what we all needed. But um, the ultimate monster, always really curious, really wondering why it has to be a penis-shaped vagina or a vagina-shaped penis with teeth. Um, Hollywood, we need to look at ourselves, okay? Uh, Number seven is Susie Searches. Um, that's on Hulu as well. Susie searches about this little black girl who's out here trying to play Nancy Drew. And what kind of almost ruined it for me was the trailer because the trailer tells me that she set herself up to be the hero. Um, but you know, watching it, it's cool. There are a lot of little twists and turns. You realize how crazy Shorty really is and what could happen when you become too obsessed with true crime. You think you can be true crime and that's not true. So let that go um number eight is songbird basically this movie is about like what if covid kept happening and um then they like put this whole romeo and juliet shit in it and i like really am not here for the love affair i don't give a fuck there's so many things that just would be kiboshed because i'm just trying to survive i don't know who i love that much to try and save them like that like it's whatever, okay? I'm just trying to breathe, you know? Um, but yeah, this was really good, really creepy, really could happen. So that's why I think you should watch Songbird. Okay, number nine. This was good. This was good. Cobweb, okay? So this was weird because it was like this little boy was clearly looking like he was getting abused at home. And so his step teacher, I mean, substitute teacher, was like trying to step in and be like, hey, hey what's going on over here but what you don't realize is you never go to nobody location of the house without telling somebody else that you're there and she did not do that so that was bad on her part but um turns out that the parents were locking away um an older sibling i'm gonna leave that there it was good go watch it okay now the last one number 10 zombie town you're welcome i watched this piece of trash so you don't have to it was poorly acted i don't know what i also don't like zombie movies like that but that aside i was ready to get freaked out you know like who doesn't like i am legend type vibes okay and they were not freaking me out it was like this kid and this girl she was rude as hell to this little boy um talking about you got us into this no bitch you got us into this you know i don't like that so boom bat didn't like that okay zombie town leave that alone okay so that's that's it for that the top 10 list now some honorable mentions they're not really content um actually the one is the heels have eyes classic guys if you haven't watched it go back watch that shit i've i've seen it so many times you know i hadn't seen it in a while and recently i was like wow you how do you how do you get out of this desert situation it's like breaking bad meets the hillbillies it's just so scary um 
keys there do not split up okay but people split up okay that's it my honorable mentions are not shows other than that one okay the rest of them are about costumes so i have like five that were really getting to me so <laughs> number one sam J and her fiance wife lady um they dressed up as flavor love in new york um first season and they killed that um, number two, Ari Lennox. She dressed up um, as Shorty from the Sixth Sense or the Fifth Sense, the Seventh Sense, whichever sense. The girl that was just wearing the, the orange hair with the little white bandies. Ari killed that because that girl ain't never thought about having that much body. Okay. Um, Janelle Monet. She dressed up as an iguana. Um, shit. It was fly. I mean, I love her commitment. Last year, I was at the Halloween party, you know, in her digs at Wonderland, and Shorty was really the cat. Like, I had, like, she really went into the cat, bro. Um, number four is Sierra. Sierra, thank you for playing, um, paying homage to Janet Jackson's Together Again album. It's one of my favorite albums, has so many levels to that song, and The Velvet Rope is one of her most prolific albums, I think. Um, uh, that turns 30 in a couple years. I think it just turned 25. So yeah, thank you for doing that. And she looks so cute, pregnant. All right. And then also, I don't know. I'm not going to mention it. So I'm not going to mention it anyways. So last but not least, number fucking one, Ace, Ace. I don't even know where this child's going to go because it's only up. She keeps going up Northwest, Northwest being her dad off of the graduation album. Okay. <laughs> It's like when your dad is Kanye, where else do you go? You know? All right, guys. Thank you so much. That's Neighborhood Watch. And uh, yeah, you know, talk to you later. Peace. Boom, bat, and we're back. Uh, like that. Uh, yeah. Fat cat sat on a lap. Mm-mm, tippy tat. Okay. I don't know. I said I wasn't going to do it. Then I kept doing it. It's what it is. It is what it is. You tuned in. It's your fault now. Um, guys, we are at the final portion of the show. Babe's mouth. Okay. We just shout out to Gianna snapped again. Um, shout out to my Angelo for saying words. Uh, <laughs> you got to ask her what you want. Shout out to the universe for, um, blessing me in all the ways that you have and teaching me all the lessons that I need to learn. Um, today's babe's mouth is short and sweet. I saw this little video on the Instagram of this little, like, group of little girls and group of little boys that were, like, meeting each other through a window, and the girl was like, oh, that one with the orange shirt, he's so cute, and then he was like, my name's James, okay, and then he was like, what's your name, and then the little girl was like, my name's Molly, and then he was like, Molly, and then she was all, Ah, he knows my name. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was so fucking much. It was so cute. It was so cute. You don't understand the sheer joy that was on the little girl's face. It just reminded me, you know, how pure things like, uh, like that are, you know, and, um, shout out to the podcast, the read there talking about how sometimes you can really make, uh, your kids feel insecure when you kind of like judge them for, whatever feelings that they have that they don't even know how to process. Like it's very common for kids to have same sex crushes or pe have people that they like a lot, uh, before they even understand sexuality, you know what I'm saying? And I just wanted to say that there's nothing better than having a little crush. 
okay? And sometimes, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, it's not going to go anywhere. You're not going to do anything. You know, it's just nice to fantasize, to think about something for a time or two. And recently I've had a couple of things that I've been thinking about and I'd like to thank you guys for being thought of. Okay. And I inspire everybody to go find somebody to think about. Okay. (laughs) It's cuffing season. You might already have a boot. You might not doesn't really fucking matter just create a little warm cozy fantasy for yourself and get into that bitch and maybe make it happen um that's it for today uh if it doesn't give you as much joy as molly and james get the fuck out stop doing it all right this is the rage it's been fuck you pay me podcast and i'm so grateful for you so uh peace i'll see you in two weeks